Eye on 2020, episode 298. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead-up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020. Appreciate you joining me. It's another week closer to the election day, and we're still in a place where there's really not a lot of electric election coverage going on at all. But there was a pretty big event that happened on Friday, and that was Donald Trump's little uh, get-together with people over there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and... <clears throat> It made a little bit of it made the, it made headlines going into the week, or going yeah going into the weekend. It made headlines as they were planning the event as well. It was really going to be on Juneteenth, which is June nineteenth, which is the kind of the commemorative day of the abolishment of slavery in the sense that it was the day that um, soldiers went to Texas and announced. I don't know which city it was maybe it was Austin, Texas, because that's the capital, and announced that that um. Slaves were now free uh, from the Emancipation Proclamation, and I guess it was celebrated in Texas, but then it kind of became a nationwide celebration. I think I probably heard about it like two or three years ago for the first time, but I think in the African-American communities and stuff, it's been something that uh, these they have celebrated for, for quite, a, quite a while, or they would have known about it for quite a while, but it sort of spread throughout the United States, and Anyway, so they were going to make that the day of President Trump's first big um, election election year bash after the opening of the op- opening of America symbolically and all that, and they decided to move it to Saturday instead of Friday. And uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, I heard people calling him a racist because Tulsa, Oklahoma, I get, I guess he was. Uh, whistleblowing to the racists because Tulsa, Oklahoma was like the event of the largest mass um, killing of African Americans maybe or it's, it was a pretty big massacre in the 1920s where whites from Tulsa went into this area called Black Wall Street I guess and burned down buildings, burned down businesses and this was like a successful area of black like African Americans who were uh, good business owners and stuff and the whites went in there and and burned the place down big massacre and they were saying oh trump's a racist because he's going to hold it in tulsa oklahoma on juneteenth and all that um i honestly look looking into it as a little amount that i did i think that that was overblown i just can't see uh somebody making such a blatant blatant move and not you know unless they did not did not realize it and it's not like trump schedules these things like he's not like all right on juneteenth in tulsa oklahoma we're having a rally and uh you know what on june 19th yes that's that's what that's when we're gonna do it like i'm pretty sure it was his people that are part of his election they're the ones that did it and you know it was just a stupid mistake stupid move and then people associated that also with the fact that it was in Tulsa Oklahoma and they merged the two together 
And I literally heard commenters calling him calling it a racist campaign because of that. Maybe you could call him a racist for other reasons, but I don't think that that would be a fair, fair to say. But you know what? Behind the scenes, there might be racists running the campaign. Who knows? And they they're trying to show it as a stick in the eye of the, of African Americans across the nation, especially with all that's going on with the um, Black Lives Matter movement and the riots and stuff like that. Uh, I just didn't see it. I mean, I I mean maybe maybe I'm looking at it through white guys' eyes or something like that. I hate to even uh, talk like that because I just you know I try not to see the world through color in the first place, but obviously uh anyway i was just thinking about this stuff and that that's like the big news that happened biggest news that happened with the elections because joe biden is off the campaign trail completely he's not i mean i guess he's doing these videos from his basement or something like that but there's no fire whatsoever going on in the joe biden campaign nobody's paying attention to the election right now. Nobody cares about the election right now. It's just something that um, is going to happen. It's going to happen. And the Democrat Party knows it. The Republican Party knows it. It's coming up. Usually, the summertime, like these guys are doing campaign stops all over the country. They're strategizing on how they're going to win different th- different um, different states. They're trying to figure this stuff out. They start having their conventions, the whole nine yards. There's just huge amounts of um, of stuff going on with the election. In 2016, you had it with Trump versus Hillary. They were going at each other. I mean, it was just constantly on the news with regards to what was going on with, between Trump and Hillary different investigations that were going on, different um, batting back and forth with each other, having debates, the whole nine yards. And with Trump having this rally, it became very negative. There was very much negative publicity around it. He was saying that there was a million people that wanted to go. He was saying that they would fill the stadium. And it turned out like an 18,000-seat stadium. They ended up having like seven or 8,000 people that went to it. But we're living in the time of coronavirus. People are terrified, right? People are scared. And people, obviously, I mean, I don't know that I would particularly go to a large group event where people are going to be close together. Not because I'm terrified of dying from coronavirus, but I don't really want to be in that situation where I get it. Because there's still unknowns that go along with it, although I am under 40, you know, I'm under 65 or whatever, and I don't see myself getting it. But I, the main reason why I don't want to get it is because if I get it, <laughs> I have to, even if I am asymptomatic or very few symptoms, and I happen to be tested for it, I will be forced to not work for two weeks. Like there's a lot of taboo things that go along with having the coronavirus and it's more for self-preservation and anything else with that I just don't want to be tested for I don't want to have to be forced to be tested for it because I have some symptom or whatever and I have a bad cough or something like that and then people are looking at me funny and I'm and they're terrified to be around me <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure if I feel that way a lot of people feel that way 
I've always, I mean, I've always assumed that I am not like something special where if I feel a way, no one else would feel that way. Like most of us have feelings about certain things and generally people will have similar feelings. So that's what I've always felt. So I'm pretty sure that a lot of people that were planning on attending Trump's rally decided not to go. But supposedly there were, and this is what was blamed by the Trump administration, I guess, is that there was protesters or whatever that wouldn't let his people go that wanted to go to his event. I don't know. It's possible. It is possible, I suppose. Um, But I'm sure a lot of it's political propaganda as well. Because they're always trying to spin everything to their favor. Both parties do that. So, But yeah, there's really... Both campaigns are kind of floundering dead in the water. There's not a lot of excitement around either campaign or either of the political opponents that are going against each other. And it's really, really strange in an election year. But my honest opinion is I don't think either party wants there to be big hype around this election. I don't think either party wants to see this huge movement of people that are going for either candidate. Now, obviously, Trump wants to get reelected, and so does Joe Biden, but let's be honest, Joe Biden is a boring guy. Joe Biden is somebody who people are not inspired by. On the other hand, Donald Trump, people are very inspired by him. I mean, I'm driving around North and South Carolina, and you drive by stores, and you drive by people's houses, and you drive down these rural rural roads, and people are have a Trump make America great again flag in front of their house there's stores that sell Trump you know 2020 flags there's people that are flying that flag high and proud he has a group of people that support him like like, like nothing we've seen so for Joe Biden to be as uninspiring as he is How are the Democrats going to get people to turn out and vote for him except for making it appear that the world is falling apart under Donald Trump? And you know what? The world might be in some ways falling apart under Donald Trump. Like, he's not going along with the rules of engagement, per se, with other countries. He's getting out of different treaties that we've had, nuclear non-proliferation treaties and things like that. getting out of multiple different, you know, the the Iran, the treaty that they had with Iran to, the you know, the, the six nations, I guess, in Europe, that had a treaty with Iran to not, you know, test nuclear missiles and all that stuff. Like, all that, that Iran deal, that's what Donald Trump calls it, the Iran deal. Like, getting out of that. But that was not the first one they did. He ripped up, you know, NAFTA, he ripped up lots of different treaties that we already had as in America that the U.S. government already created. So he's not going along with a lot of that stuff. A lot of people like that. A lot of his supporters love that stuff. Oh, yeah, America first. That nationalism that they have. A lot of people like that stuff. But does, you know, ripping up the nuclear non-proliferation treaty, does that make it stronger? Does that make the world safer I don't know probably not so there's a lot of people that go against that stuff as well but does that mean the world's falling apart 
I mean, we live in a pretty chaotic time right now. Not that anyone could have predicted COVID-19. I mean, would American Americans have gone for a more forceful president? A president that locked down the nation under his authority and put National Guard there to protect the streets? Like they do in China? Ending all airplane flights. You can't leave your town. Yeah, we found some cases in New York and they, they locked down all of New York, all of Connecticut, all of Rhode Island, all of New Jersey. Like, would, have Americans, would Americans have gone for that? It's better to criticize in hindsight, right? That's what, like, the Democrat Party and the Democrat, you know, talking heads are doing. But if he would have been a little bit more aggressive on things, I'm pretty sure the criticism would have been, oh, you are way too aggressive. Look at this guy, he's a dictator type thing. So he he tended to stay a little bit hands-off on that. Um, Whether it was a good thing or not, you guys know me. I think that they went overboard in the first place. I think that everyone went overboard. I think that the federal government went overboard. I think that the states went overboard. But you do have a lot of deaths from COVID. Who knows what, if they're all specifically COVID deaths, let's say 80% of them are it's still a lot of deaths from COVID-19. People don't tend to um, social distance on their own. So, I mean, so I mean, in hindsight, you're looking at all of the things that happened and you wonder what would have been good to do, what would have been bad to do, what they should have done, what they shouldn't have done. And I tend to be hands-off approach with government, I don't think that government should be shutting people down. I don't think government should be forcing people to stay home under threat of arrest, under threat of ticketing, under threat of thousand dollar fines. Because there are a lot of businesses that are struggling now. So, I mean, who knows what the right approach would have been to that? But getting back to the election, the world's in chaos right now in some ways. And then also on top of that, you have like the Black Lives Matter. Movement or Black Lives Matter movement right now that's pushing the idea of police brutality and putting that front and center on stage. And everyone's everyone's paying attention to that. We're kind of shifting right now. We went from COVID nineteen to Black Lives Matter, police brutality, and then over to back shifting over towards COVID and the the second wave. That might not even be a second wave. We're still in the first wave type thing. So it's hard to tell, but it does seem like the world's in chaos right now. But is that planned? Does the Democrat Party think to themselves, we have such a boring candidate. We need to get people to vote against Donald Trump. That's our win. Not vote for Joe Biden, but to vote against Donald Trump. And the Republicans can't make the case vote for or vote against Joe Biden. He's just a pretty normal guy. But they're trying to make the case that he's a he's a puppet of the radical socialist left. That's what they're trying to... I mean, I heard Donald Trump say it. But he's a pretty normal politician. He's a politician of, of the 20th century, you know? 
meet in the middle. We're going to meet in the middle. We're going to come up with some good, reasonable, reasonable plans. we got to come up with some reasonable legislation. Stuff like that. That's what he is. So how are they going to how are they going to get people to vote against Joe Biden? And that is to make it look like the Black Lives Matter movement. Make it look like these people are so radical and they're in charge of the government right now. And look at them. Look at what they're doing. They're they're burning the country. You're not voting against Donald Trump now. You're voting or you're not voting against Joe Biden now. You're voting against all that the radical left represents. That's the way they're spinning it. You could see it on the news. Both parties are doing it because there's nothing to vote against. You can't vote against Joe Biden. He's a decent guy, I guess, you know? Regular old politician. Takes us back to the politician like a Bill Clinton without the charisma, you know? He's not going to do anything crazy. He's not going to take us down a socialist road. He'll just be a normal politician. But whoever his vice president is can get a little bit further on that. So they'll start pushing that as well, especially when they choose the vice presidential nominee. Now we'll be voting against that vice presidential nominee because most likely that person will become president or be the person that's elected or running in 2024. Or if Joe Biden retires or dies or something happens to him early... He's most likely not going to run again in 2024. And if he does, well, then you got 2028 coming. But you got to run against the vice presidential nominee because Joe Biden might die. He's the oldest person to ever become president if he becomes president. And that's what these people are there. That's the strategy that they have. I mean, with Donald Trump, it was voting against Hillary, evil Hillary, bad Hillary. Lock her up. And you can convince people to vote against Hillary. And a lot of people did. They voted against Hillary by voting for Donald Trump. <clears throat> a lot of people voted against Donald Trump in voting for Hillary. A lot of people voted against both by voting Libertarian. But they're trying to find a person to vote against a lot of times. Or you got to get that inspired person like, like Barack Obama. People are voting for Barack Obama. They were voting for him. He was the hope and change president. He was the guy that was going to get us out of those wars. He was the guy that was going to bring us, you know, this um, free, like not not free medicine, but like a uh, the Obamacare. Not that's not what they called at the time, but single payer health care. He was the hope and change president. He didn't have any real ideas that were platitudes he was the hope and change president though and also a lot of people voted for him because he was African American first African American president he inspired a lot of African Americans to go vote for him pretty sure if I was African American I probably would have voted for him too in that sense because a lot of people don't look deeply into like political views or whatever you know they're like they most people vote on a very topical level on what that person looks like on what that person says on the inspirational message that they have they're not voting all on policy but today that's the election that we're in now 
uninspiring candidate on the Democratic side and a very polarizing candidate on the Republican side. It's hard to tell who's going to win. I mean, it's really hard to tell. I'm, I'm wondering. I mean, so when you when I drive around the South and I'm in the South, so I don't, I'm not seeing what I what you would see in like Massachusetts or Vermont or Connecticut or New York or California. But there's still a deep love for Donald Trump, you know? They, there's, they're still out there, so I'm just... I know, obviously, he'll win the South. They say George is up for play. They say Florida's up for play. They say Texas might even be up for grabs with Joe Biden. But we're too far out to tell, man. If you look at that stage on the debates, and Joe Biden is just a, blabble, ba- a babbling idiot... And Donald Trump comes off as a strong man that has the answers, that knows his stuff, which is hard to predict how he's going to do as well. People might vote for the status quo. More chaos for another four years in that sense. It's hard to tell. Will Will the libertarian get on that stage? A lot of libertarians that are new to the party, that are looking at it, have this hope that Joe Jorgensen is going to get on the debate stage against Donald Trump and against Joe Biden. And that's not going to happen, guys. It's not going to happen. The election commission is run by Republicans and Democrats. They are there to protect the status quo, to put a third-party candidate up there. They keep on raising the bar because it happened with Ross Perot in 1992. And supposedly that got Bill Clinton elected. So they're not going to allow that to happen. They definitely won't allow that to happen. Be interesting to see, and uh, especially with like a with a Joe Jorgensen, like people might think that she's going to pull equally from the left and from the right, pull from Joe Biden and from Donald Trump. But they're not going to allow that to happen. So I'm not. I wouldn't get my hopes up on that, um, at all. At all. But yeah, that's what we're looking at, man. That's what we're looking at for the next. Uh, five months now is when we're looking at Donald Trump running against Joe Biden and you'll start to see how they're going to go about it and the idea is going to be we're going to try to get people on the Joe Biden side they're not going to be voting for Joe Biden they're voting against Donald Trump and then for Donald Trump the Republicans they're going to try to run on the idea of not against Joe Biden but against what the left represents. They're going to polarize him as far left as they possibly can. <clears throat> and it'll be interesting to see what the, the Biden campaign does. Are they going to force him to distance himself a little bit from that far left? The Bernie Sanders types? The people that are in the Black Lives Matter movement? The protesters that you saw over the last couple of weeks? embrace what they, the good things about them, but distance themselves from a lot of the other stuff. Who knows? Who knows? But that's what they're going to try to do. That's what the Trump administration will try to do, especially if they chose someone that's a little bit further left as a, as a, um, vice presidential nominee. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about today, and I'll make this uh, a little bit quicker as well, is 
Think about movement politics, okay? I think we're in an age now where we have social media. I mean, it's a completely different world than it was in 2000, in the year 2000, even 2008. Like, social media was just getting getting started in 2008 with Barack Obama. But you had Google, like, like I remember with, during 2008 you had people holding these signs that like Google, Ron, Paul, and people can search it. But not everyone had an iPhone in their pocket back then. Not everybody had a Android device in their pocket at that point. Not everybody was on the toilet taking a crap scrolling through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or whatever else they do. But that's the world we live in today. We're in a highly politicized moment with a lot of information, both good and bad. And we had that in 2012. But by 2016, it was on, guys. Like, everyone's on Facebook, everyone's on Twitter, everyone's on Instagram, everyone's on all of these different different social media platforms pushing an agenda, pushing their issues out there, and then you start seeing the fake news springing up. You start seeing all that stuff. But think about like the movement politics. We're in an age of movement politics, and the, I think it started, I mean, it, it started a long time ago because there was books written about it in like the 1960s, but you really saw it in 2007, whenever the financial crisis happens, and you're in the midst of an election with Barack Obama going against John McCain, Ron Paul was running, and the government decides to do these bailouts and stuff, and a lot of people that were very fiscally conservative, people that were concerned about the national debt, people that concerned about the government bailing out corporations, like they jumped on this bandwagon and it became the Tea Party movement, which started out for like a year, maybe a year and a half as a movement that was relatively unpolitical, like it wasn't focused on Republicans or Democrats, it was focused on the government not bailing people out, the government not bailing corporations out, the government spending too much money, just a fiscal, being fiscally responsible, lower taxes, things like that. And slowly, and it probably happened pretty quick, but slowly you see it become a Republican movement. I think it was 2010... Marco Rubio runs as a Tea Party Republican. Marco Rubio, Rubio, at the time, he was, I think, the Senate Majority Leader in the Florida House or Florida Senate, Florida State Senate, and he runs on the Tea Party movement. He's talking all the right words, guys. Fiscal responsibility, not having these bailouts. Just did said all the right things, but if you see him now, he is just a standard. Republican, defending Donald Trump, defending the status quo, defend, I mean, always against Obama, always against the Democrats, just a very partisan person, almost always, defends every war that there is, and the Tea Party was kind of like, stand, I mean, they didn't like talk out, speak out about the wars 
the anti-war movement, like they weren't like an anti-war movement by any means. They were a fiscal responsible movement. And you could say, you know what, maybe we need to wind down the wars a little bit because of that. But Marco Rubio ran on that Tea Party platform and it was hijacked. The Tea Party movement was hijacked by the Republicans in some ways. It became a Republican thing. Now, you did get some good people that came out of that movement, though. You had Thomas Massey, Rand Paul, a few others. Uh, I can't Oh, uh, Mike Mike Lee, I think, was the senator from, from uh, Utah. <clears throat> Probably set the House Freedom Caucus became a thing. Which has kind of winded, winded itself down now. But you had a good thing come out of that Tea Party movement. A few good things come out of that Tea Party movement. But it didn't have any real lasting impact because it was hijacked by the Republican Party. It really was. And if you think about now, the next big movement was the... Was the basically the Trump movement was like the next big movement. That was a movement politics thing as well. It wasn't a get behind Donald Trump because he's a Republican. It was get behind Donald Trump because he can fix things. He didn't embrace the Republicans' uh, platform. He ran counter to the Republicans' platform in some ways, but he still got it, got the election. That was a big movement, right? I think a lot of those Tea Party people jumped on board because the Tea Party movement became a very nationalistic type movement as well. America's greatness and buy American, all that stuff. A lot of people's people jumped on that bandwagon, and now they're with Trump. <clears throat> and now the Democrats have their movement that they're slowly hijacking, and they did it a while ago. Black Lives Matter was a hashtag originally. It was just a hashtag, guys, and it started off with people after a few of, I think it was the one that happened in, in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Brown was the guy's last name, I believe. And uh, that, that killing of a police officer, or killing a police officer, killing Mike Michael Brown, I think was his name. And it became the hashtag Black Lives Matter. And it wasn't a hashtag that that the Democratic Party created. But as it became a popular hashtag and people started following that hashtag, it became a movement of black people that were saying Black Lives Matter. Black Lives it was more like Black Lives Matter too, or also. Like people should take a look at these things and say, you know what, that dude's life did matter. And cops shouldn't just start shooting type thing. And it puts a national headline on that, and people are following that hashtag. And it slowly gained steam. But then this group became... This, these three people that formed the BlackLivesMatter.com, they kind of took over that. So then it becomes... It never was really associated with the Black Lives Matter website or that organization until recently, in the last year or so. But that's the movement. There's a movement called Black Lives Matter, but then they, then the Democrats have kind of hijacked that because if you if you go to the website and you push the donate button, it takes you to a 
Act Blue website, which is a Democrat website for fundraising. If you go to Black Lives Matter and you wish to donate, it goes into a Democrat database hijacking a movement. Just like the, just like the Republicans hijacked the Tea Party movement. And Black Lives Matter, the not the organization, but the people that are that are that follow this this hashtag this movement they care about probably just one or two things and that is police brutality and limiting the amount of laws that are affecting african american people that's pretty much it they would say that and if you ask any person that types the hashtag black lives matter if you said do all lives matter they'd say yes all all lives matter we just want to focus in Get the media's attention on black lives that do matter. That's all they're saying. That's all they're saying. It's not that white lives don't matter or Asian lives don't matter. It's black lives matter also. That's what it means. And that's what most of those people think. But if you go to the Black Lives Matter website, it's not only police brutality. It's not only, you know limiting the laws or ending the police or whatever it's all kinds of other stuff that goes along with what a far left group would want to achieve it has a Marxist leaning towards it is what it does and it's a democrat it's been basically taken over by a democrat fundraising fundraising operation and it's been hijacked and it has and a few people get elected out of that group in 2020 a few more in 2022 but ultimately it's going to go the way of the Tea Party movement which is a fiscal responsible fiscally responsible party or fiscally responsible group that now can care less if the national debt is 26 trillion dollars can care less if the government just spent 3 trillion dollars on a bailout because the government decided to lock everybody down. Could care less about that stuff. Because Donald Trump did it. And if you let the Democrats hijack the Black Lives Matter movement, it's going to do the same exact thing. It's going to become a far-left organization that nobody associates with what it really is there to do, and that is shine a light on police brutality. And that, that's, that's, that's just crazy, but that's the way movements are. That's what political parties do, is they get involved in groups and in organizations in order to hijack them to make everything political at that point. And then it polarizes the sides, it puts everyone on one side or the other, and then you're done. That's what it does. So I've just been thinking about that, guys, and I just wanted to bring that up to you as well. Movement politics, we're in an age of movement politics now. How do the libertarians become a movement, though? How do we get our own movement politics going on, our own hashtag type thing, right? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be wonderful if we had a movement that says limit government because it does so much bad for the world? Limit government. If all governments limited, imagine how few wars you would have. Because they wouldn't have the ability to go out there and just take people's lives and force them to go kill each other. Just think about that. Limited government. That's what we need. A world focus on limited government. 
That would be wonderful. Decentralized government. That would be wonderful. Privatization of everything. That would be wonderful. But focus in on that limited government. So that would be interesting to see. But that's the movement that we need. That the world really needs. Because government is the ones that created laws that protected slavery. Governments are the ones that created laws that created the separate but equal Jim Crow laws. Governments are the ones that created those laws that forced the separation of the whites and the blacks in the South. Governments are the ones that create all of those things because people use government to get their issues enforced upon everybody else. Everybody uses the government to get the gun pointed at somebody else. That's what they do. That's what they did with slavery. That's what they did with the Jim Crow laws. That's what they did with the black codes and all that crap from the self. And that's what they continue to do today. What are they going to do next? You know, let's get rid of government. Let's limit government. Let's look at freedom and prosperity. And that's what we need to do. Hey guys, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, this is your Monday show of Ion 2020. Uh, focusing in on the election, a libertarian look at the presidential election. And I will be covering this thing through November. So I appreciate you joining me. If you want to follow me, IonTheEmpire.com. You can also go to IonTheEmpire on Facebook and on Twitter. And then email me, Ray, at IonTheEmpire.com as well if you want to. And then five startings and reviews are always helpful on Apple, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts at. So I, I appreciate you joining me. This show went a little long today. There's a couple of topics I wanted to cover, and that was it. So I appreciate you. And uh, I'll talk to you all on Thursday so you can have clear vision for 2020.